welcome to part two, guys. This is part two of, I don't want to say the best because I'm sorry if I've missed people out because I've loved all of these episodes, but the best, <laughs> but I'm saying it anyway. Um, some of the best takeaways and writer's advice from a hundred episodes of this podcast, which I have absolutely devoured, loved and enjoyed. So if you haven't listened to part one yet, that was last week. Part two is this week. I hope you love it. I hope you enjoy it. Share with it a friend. Um, let me know what you think. I want, I want all the feedback. If you can guess what authors that I have put in here and what, um, authors I, yeah, I'm not going to mention them. So if you do mention them, I could have a little prize for you if you send me what authors you think that they are over at Olivia Hillier Author on Instagram or TikTok, you could win yourself the Writer's Journal, which is my journal that is now available on Amazon. So this is literally the perfect journal to put all the stories that are swirling around in your head and put it all into one structure before you write your book. So you've got everything that you need there. You know your characters inside out. You know how they relate to each other. You know absolutely everything about them you know, the world, you know, the scenes, you're starting to get to know the rising action, you have been able to brain dump in there. It is everything that you need for the general creative process of your mind before you start writing. So you feel really clear and you're able to have a very, very, very productive session. So that is my gift to you. <laughs> and if you can guess all the authors that I've had in this podcast, then you could win that. So make sure that you go and follow me at Olivia Hillier Author and have a, have a good little guess there. Anyway, guys, if you love this episode, please like, share it, and I will be in your ears with another episode next week. But here is the best advice from 100 episodes of the Writer's Advice Podcast, Part 2. Writer's Advice is a point of connection, a dose of inspiration, and an insight into the creative process of the babes behind the books. I'm your host, Olivia Hillier. Each week, I'll be interviewing authors from around the globe on their creative process and how they got to where they are today and what it's really like inside the industry of publishing. So listen in, take notes, and I hope you walk away inspired, ready to take on the next level of your writing wherever you are in your journey. more what if questions so it's like well what if archangels ruled the world but they weren't like you know it wasn't like godly archangels they just were like a different species and what if they were vampires as well or what if we were truly telepaths but it drove us insane that amount of power in our head so what would we do to survive so that's where the speculative fiction stuff comes from. It's like, I just sit there and think of these weird what if questions. And then I, I write um, to, to explore the idea. Yeah. I love that so much. And did you always know that it was going to be a series? I like, cause it keeps continuing. Is it, is it still continuing? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh my God. So, I have a problem. I have a problem. With... <laughs> no, um, with the Psy Changeling series. So that was my very, very first series. I knew, I knew it was a series, but if you, if anyone wants to try the books, you'll see that the first two books are actually quite self-contained. Like if I had to stop at that point, you would have been okay, you know, as a reader. 
Um, like you wouldn't have cursed me for sort of leaving you hanging. Whereas in the third book, it really opens out into the expansion of the world and the politics and all that. And that's because, you know, um, again, this is print publishing and I had a two book contract initially. So I didn't know if I could stretch out. And then, um, you know, my editor was amazing. She, she, after I wrote, I think the first one had come out, but not the second, she contracted me for two more. So that, that was when I knew that I could really stretch out the idea I had in my head. So, um, yeah, I always knew that the potential for a series was there, that the story I actually wanted to tell was a series story. Um, but it's like, do I get to tell it? So, um, I did, and I'm still here telling it to this day. <laughs> and, um, so I, I'm naturally inclined to write series. I, yeah. I really like building connections. Mm. So not just the romantic connection, but I like friendship groups, family groups, found family, you know, all of that. Um, I, I love the interconnectedness of the world. And I think that's one of the reasons my Side Changing series has has lasted this long is because it's it's not isolated stories it's it's very networked yeah. and um and so it's like this whole living world which you know I see in my head um and the Guild Hunter series is small is the same in the sense of those connections and the bonds but it has a smaller core cast so I've always kept it smaller because the story I'm telling is different but the funny thing is so when I started writing thrillers, I told everyone, I'm not writing series. I am writing standalones because my brain has not got the capacity to have another series in it. So after I wrote my first one, people were like, oh, we're going to see these characters again. I was like, no, no, you will not see them again. You're not. So yeah, that's been interesting too, to to literally not make myself write series. It's actually a conscious choice, um, which has been, yeah, it's, it's it's been another learning curve for me but it's been good but in a way it's a freedom right because it's like every filler is completely different yeah in a different place with different people yeah and I love that because that means you get to play around with all the different elements too like it's not only the genre change it's like okay I'm only here for this book so this story gets <laughs> yeah. to be told now your character my characters are you know I'm gonna say goodbye to you guys later <laughs> so I, I'm so I really want to know in a side ch- channeling series is there moments like, are you kind of like, is it, how planned are you? Like, is it very planned out or are you kind of like, you write something and then it's kind of like, oh, okay, cool. I could actually add a whole other part in here. Like, how does that kind of, how does it kind of work for you? A plan or are you kind of just, it kind of comes through? So I'm kind of in between. What I need is a, my plan is that I need to know the ending. Yeah. Okay. So I need to know the ending to where, so wherever I'm taking the readers, I need to know. And for the side changing series, that's the overarching plot line. And I find that if I, so there's always a question asked in a series, right? And so you have to know the answer to the question. And I find my brain just keeps me on track because I know the point at which I've decided we're heading towards, right? I know the answer to the question that I've posed to readers. I know the, whatever I've set up, I know where it's going. And so my I'm I don't go off on tangents much because I'm pulling myself back saying okay that is not where we're heading so need to get back on the path kind of thing so each book itself generally um is that in microcosm so I I have a beginning yeah and I 
I know kind of where I'm heading. Like I know where I want us to end up at this point. And then I just go. I don't really plan the actual books. Yeah. So I just, I do still write my manic first draft, which is just me telling the story to myself. Yeah. Um, and I call that like my skeleton draft. It's it's very rough. It's literally it's literally me figuring out the characters, figuring out the story. And then, yeah, so I'm the kind of writer who does um, multiple full drafts. So mm-hmm. I'm not refining stuff in each chapter and moving on. I write full drafts and then I refine full drafts. So, you know, some books are seven drafts, some books are five, but... It's what, it's what works for me, so I keep doing it. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely love that. And I also, I feel like the way you explain that, it's like deep trust in your creativity or the journey. Because it's like, okay, no, I know it, I see it. And it's like, this is where it's got to go. And and like, yeah, pulling it in around that, which I absolutely love. Now, you have given us so much good advice and I can't wait to share this episode with everyone. But I do always ask the last question at the end, which is if there, if you do have any other um, words of wisdom or advice that you would pass on to a writer who is, I don't know, maybe they're in a manuscript at, right now, maybe they're a little bit way through their journey and wanting to go to the next level, what would you, what's kind of like your your core advice that you would pass on or some that you've all, also been given along your journey? I would say, you know, trust your voice mm-hmm. as a writer and trust the story you want to tell because I think it's particularly important in the current world where we're so used to being online and so used to looking for feedback for what we're working on. And I think that can actually be damaging when you're developing a story, particularly if you're new or you're not as confident in your voice, because if you expose your work to all these other voices, they can take over. It's not your voice anymore. And I think one of the most important things for my career was that I wrote in isolation for a long time, like nobody was giving me feedback. And by the time I got there where I was getting feedback, I knew who I was as a writer. And so I could actually utilize the feedback in a way that enhanced my story. So I would say don't be too eager to share your story before you're confident enough that you know what your story is and who you are as a writer. Um, And I'm not I'm not a marketer at all. Like I can like talk to people and um, write and yeah. do artistic things. But when it comes to selling my book, I'm like deer in the headlights. Do you just find um, it hard to like also like put it down without get like put it into this like sentence structure without giving away what's kind of, is that kind of another thing as well? Because you want to tell people about the whole story. I don't know. I just find Oh yeah. I'm yeah. terrible with secrets, like terrible. <laughs> and I, and I like, I break my own promises because I'll, you know, tell the the street team, like, I'm not giving you a release date until this time till I finish the book. And then of course I give them a release date. (laughs) Like, (laughs) cause I can't help myself. Um, But I would say, and sometimes because I write my own blurbs, I have to be in the moment. It'll hit me like five o'clock in the morning. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I got it. It'll just all come out right then. And it's done. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Okay, let me try to explain <laughs> You can give a little bit. I feel bad for asking that question now. <laughs> so Hollow Heathens and Bone Island, I want to say that they're standalones, but honestly, just coming back from what the readers have been saying with Bone Island is 
just read the first book. You would have to read the first book to get full experience. Um, they're very much, um, they're forbidden Gothic romance. Um, they both have parallel love stories and curses. So where like the curse started and how it's affecting the, the couple now. And I think that's really cool. And um that's it so that's paranormal romance do you have anything to add to that <laughs> no I, th I think that's really good and I'm gonna put the um I'm gonna put the links to your books in the okay. show notes anyway so everyone can go and read the full the full story there yeah. for sure yeah um and then stay with me is a contemporary suspense romance and it's a trilogy that follows the same couple um it, and the easiest way to say it is, you know, the boy who feels too much and the girl who feels nothing. Um, definitely reverse grumpy sunshine. The girl is a little grump. Um, yeah, like I said, I'm horrible at this. So yeah, that's okay. I'm going to put all about. of these in the <laughs> And I have to say, you're actually amazing at blurbs too. Because the way you've laid, specifically in the Saves Me one, the way that you've laid it out, I'm like, oh, that's really well done. So everyone can go and read everything, yeah. everything there and um and dive into it. So um, now you've got it on Kindle, you've got paperback, paperbacks and hardback, and you're on Audible as well, okay? Yes. Yeah. I'm on Audible, um, all of them except for Bone Island. Um. Yes, paperbacks, hardbacks. I only have hardbacks for Hollow Heathens and Bone Island. The hardbacks for Stay With Me is actually coming this August for oh, the first nice. time. And um, Kindle Unlimited for all of them, yes. Oh, perfect. Awesome. That's really great as well. And what is next for you? Where is, like, I know you've got a thousand stories, like, just brewing away, but can you give a little hint about, like, what's what's kind of next? Yeah, so right now I'm writing um, Ghost of Nova Graves. I was forced to give the title away because I'm working with two other authors. Oh, um, so it's a, it's a world that's built and there's three authors writing three standalones within this world. Wow. So, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's my first time um, like working with other people and it's been very hard for me, but I love these girls so much. So I'm, it's like a good experience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's what I'm writing right now. It's a it's another gothic romance, a witchy romance. Um, it is a standalone, and I I am loving it. It is so different. Um, I say that with every one of my books is different, but it's very different for me. And after that, I'm writing a surprise that I can't say. Yes, and this time say I'm it. holding it. I'm not gonna say it this time. And I and I told my husband I'm gonna drop it like Beyonce, just drop my surprise one day and not tell anybody, and they're gonna freak out. Oh my um, gosh, that's great! I love that. And then I'm gonna go into the the third book of uh, Tales of Leaping Hollow after that. Oh my gosh, that's nice. how do you find that? So also coming back to that, like going into a different world and then coming back into it rather than you know going mm -hmm. did it like A to C essentially. How are you finding that? Are you able to go like? back to that <laughs> easily I was gonna say that it is lot. so hard it yeah. is so hard and if it was up to me because I did make commitments with these other authors if it was up to me I would have had just gone straight into book three of Tales of Lucian Hollow um yeah but I wasn't able to do that which is perfectly fine because I didn't want to I, didn't, I wanted this experience with um these two other authors and so I will have it's gonna take be a struggle to get back into the world but I have done it before so it'll be okay 
Yeah. 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 Just like, yeah, it's, I guess it's like putting that thing out there, getting rid of it out of your mind and then, you know, diving back yeah. into it a hundred percent. I want to dive a little bit more into this experience with the two other authors. Cause I, this sounds firstly creatively amazing, but at the same time, hard. I'm not gonna <laughs> how does that, how does that work? So also, yeah. So like, are you both kind of reading it are you all reading each other's and seeing where it goes and having input that way or it's like hey this is this world this is what we're going to create and then once it's done kind of share and another question on top of that is I'm I'm interested of how you guys are going to publish this is this like an all-in-one drop or is it like a separate thing tell me everything I'm going to answer what I what I know because honestly we're like literally learning as we go yeah no <laughs> like we yeah. don't know what we're doing yeah um so as far as like the release we're releasing um the week of October 10th so it's like October 10th 11th 12th 13th oh, nice. and I'm on yeah so one's on the 11th one's on the 12th and I'm on the 13th so yeah it's like right after each other um and then we have like a document that we all share and we put we're putting in the town's details into that shared document oh I love that um I have no idea what they've written so far um so we're just gonna I guess we're gonna find out (laughs) (laughs) that is that's the most exciting thing of like once you've all created this like then putting it together and like reading each other's stories this is amazing I love this idea so much very exciting October everyone needs to keep their eyes out for that so that is amazing and a couple of last questions that I have for you Nicole um a lot of um we have a lot of readers listening in but we also have a lot of writers so I was wondering if Mm -hmm. you have any advice that you would pass on to some Mm -hmm. up-and-coming writers that are in your position maybe they're like yeah I want to keep my control I want to go independent as well and yeah where to go with that um I mean I have so much advice but the biggest one is that no matter what I say and what no matter what someone you know another writer says and doing it's your writing and your process is only going to work for you I feel like each journey and each writing habits and schedule and everything is so individual um and so as Stephen I'm a Stephen King fan so as he would say you would write one word at a time and that's that's the advice um and I would say also just be true to yourself and what you're writing um don't get hung up on what the readers want because the readers okay so this is I guess a Nicole thing but (laughs) you don't give the readers what they want you give them something that they don't expect at all you Mm, surprise them yeah um and that's what that's what I keep trying to do. Yeah. I even, I even asked my, um, I have a reader group on Facebook and I asked them to tell me all the things they hate in romance. And my goal is to write a romance with all of those things that they hate and make them love it. And that's going to be a challenge for me. Yeah. That is, that's amazing (laughs) because it's like, it's like to turn, it's like, okay, you hate that because, you know, you've heard it from different voices, but you're like, okay, how can I put this all together in a different way? I love that so much. And also. Get a police officer who takes a life 
and then has to also deal with that trauma and that um, the guilt and the, you know, um, the self-doubt that follows. So that was the start of the book. Yeah. Wow. I love that. I love that so much because I also love the way that you explained that of, do you always, I mean, every, I know every book's different, but do you always start with a concept rather than like, it's not character or plot or this and that. It's like, Hey, what if, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, American girl started with that character, but um, every other book has started with uh, either a situation that people are put in and what does it do to them? Or uh, sometimes it's a plot twist and, you know, with all is not forgotten. It was just this concept of, uh, of uh, memory reconfiguration and re- uh, reconsolidation and, uh, and interrupting that process to alter memory. And then I constructed the characters and the plot around that. So yeah, it's usually a concept or an event with a question mark after like what happens to that people if, you know, if this, ha- if, if they survived something like this. Yeah. And when that hits you, because you're the queen of suspense as well. So when that hits you, do you always know the ending or are you kind of like going along the journey with, with it essentially and being like, okay, this is where it needs to go. Or you, you do a lot of plot outlining beforehand. Yeah. So I always, I outline everything. And sometimes, sometimes I don't like Emma in the night. I knew I wanted to write about, uh, just people who are you know sort of disappear and then come back if that was just the basic thought and then I thought okay what and then and then I came up with the sisters and then I thought where have they been and then I thought where's my twist I need my twist I need my twist I need a big twist and um and then I was just driving around it's always when you let go of the of the thought and you do other things and it's like, then your brain, it, it reshuffles and resets because you're not holding on so tightly and, and forcing those, those neurons to, to connect. Um, and when you let them go and they disconnect and they float around other places in your brain, and then they, they find their way back to each other in some new way. And so that twist just hit me like a ton of bricks. And I, I, and I was like, yes, that's it. So sometimes that happens. Sometimes I, um, you know, it's a slower process of how does it end? All is not forgotten. I had three different endings, the different ways it could end. It, that book really wasn't about the ending. It really was about the journey to get to the end. So really depends on the, the book. With this book, I had this whole concept of a twist that I wanted to combine with the plot. And I, I won't spoil it, but um, it has to do with the second narration. There's a, a second minor narration in, in What Remains. Uh, that's like every few chapters and they're really short and you don't know who's telling them and you don't know the time frame, but you start to see them connect to the main story. Uh, and so it becomes a little bit of a puzzle. And, um, and the first time I wrote it, it took a few tries to get it to land. Uh, and, uh, but it was very satisfying what it did. So I was able to combine this like idea of, you know, two different murder invest or, you know, sort of crime investigations side by side and how do they connect um so yeah it just it always it's each book is different but i plot i have to come up with it and then i have to plot it out because i need to know I, it's all about the the you know disclosing information to the mm. reader right mm. so and then also the characters need to learn information along the way um and that impacts them as they discover things so all of that has to be mapped out for me to put it in the right order yeah, uh, 
then I then I'll then I'll just sometimes I'll just have you know chapter fourteen, the red jacket, you know, and I'm like, okay, this is a chapter. Somehow they need to know about this jacket, and then I'll think, where are they when they find out who's telling them? And then it then that you know that's not plotted out, but but the red jacket has to be in chapter fourteen, and that's so that's the amount of plotting I do. Yeah, I absolutely love how you explained that. Firstly, I love how you explain the brain. And when it's like you usually when you're like trying to force this great thing out of you when it'll happen when you're doing something so monotonous of like, oh, yes. it's finally like right. me. It's so, awful. it's so awful. It's the worst part about yeah. writing. Yeah. You can't control that those moments. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. But um I have I have two questions here for you because this is the Rise Advice podcast. So a lot of people who are obviously most people are readers here, but they're also writers as well. So how you explained um, like writing a plot and say, okay, yep, chapter 14, red jacket. I'm sure now when you're writing books, you can kind of see the exact information of what, of what you need to give away when. But if you were to give some suspense advice away to someone who's writing something like that now, what would, what, how would you kind of um, help someone with a plot line like that? Yeah, I mean, everybody has a different process. And a lot, I know a lot of writers who, you know, just dive in and they start writing and then they'll, then they'll be like, oh my gosh, I forgot the red jacket. And then they'll go back and, and, and that's a, you know, a, a lot of people just can't, they, they can't follow a plot. It's not their natural process. But so I think you need to figure out what your process is. For me, I cannot, I cannot start writing until I know what has to be in that chapter because mm. I need something to ground it. And, um, uh, and so, and sometimes I will have scenes and I, I, what I do is I make a list I, I let the plot sit for a while. I, I draw, I actually draw it out on paper with boxes and arrows. Then I start typing up a list of all the things, this different scenes that could be fun or, or um, pieces of dialogue even that people could say to each other, um, dynamics between relationships. Uh, and and then, the, then I have a separate sheet, which are just the factual disclosures. And those, to me, I, that's my scaffolding. That is that that's going to be the, you know, the bones of the book and everything is going to be hanging on that. And so I, I need it to be in a certain order. So I just make a list of, I I make a list and I keep adding to it as I think about more plot twists. And then I print it out, I put it next to me and I, then I start putting each one into a chapter or more than one into a chapter. But I think, I actually think being organized um, when you're writing a thriller is really important uh, to building a plot twist because sometimes you, uh, you know, you get to the end of a, of a thriller and you're throwing a curveball and you can't trace the breadcrumbs back and, and it feels like it's coming out of left field a little bit. And it's, to me, that, that uh, takes away from the experience. So um, I think it's really fun when you can have a really cool reveal or plot twist and then say oh that's why that's why this that's why that and that satisfaction it just adds another layer of satisfaction to to reading yeah 100 percent. I and you always have to do like I guess you have to work backwards with that as well I yeah I've I've never wrote a thriller it's not it's not in my pipeline, but I really love reading them. So I'm like, I love even like reading them with a writer's eye of being like, okay, what have they planted? <laughs> you know, like I, I love the whole, the whole storyline of them. So that's amazing. Yeah. And what would be some general 
um, advice for anyone on a manuscript right now or if they're, they're a writer, what would be, would be your um, just general advice, general writer's yeah, advice? So, I mean, I actually um, uh, a, a few times taught a class on, you know, basically the toolbox. So I think of it as a, as a toolbox. Yeah. I did not have a toolbox when I sat down to write a novel and, and I just would, I, I guess I would, I would encourage anyone who's sitting down to write a novel um, or has a manuscript and doesn't know what's wrong with it, but knows something's wrong with it or it's not selling and they don't know why to really um, just, there's so many resources now, um, you know, just a basic class on, uh, on the tools of writing. And, and with, by tools, I mean, things like, you know, understand the difference uh, between, you know, writing in first person and third person not just what it is, but what it, what it, what the result is. Like, is this a tool, you know, which tools should you use for this book? Choosing which narrative, who's going to tell your story? Um, are you going to have one narrator throughout? Is it an omniscient narrator? Is it one of the characters? Uh, or are you going to break it up into, you know, different points of view and you'll have like a, so you've got a couple of different characters telling the story. Think about the most effective way to tell your story and then, you know, how you deal with, with backstory and flashbacks. Is it flashbacks? Mm -hmm. are, you, are you diving into backstory as a separate narration? Be very considerate with all of these things because, you know, you have to look at everything from the, from the perspective of the reader. Am I, have, have I bored this reader on this page? Could I cut out? Could I jump to the middle of the scene? Could I cut the scene a little bit shorter? Did I give them a good cliffhanger to turn that page? Um, am I making them, you know, go on this fast-paced action sequence, but then making them stop to hear a story from the character's childhood? And is that fair? Do I need to put that story there? Everything should be thought out, every piece of the story. And it's not just about the characters being good or the plot being good or the um, you know, even the writing being good. If you haven't really thought about all of the structure of your book and how to tell that story in a way that will, you know, it's then, then, then that could be, that to me should be the first thing that you learn. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and for me, when I'm reading, I read a lot of books to blurb them. And I, when I start skimming, when I start like flipping the Kindle pages, just to find the plot twist, then in my mind, like that could have been structured better because they've lost me now. I'm like, oh my God, okay, yeah, I get it. Like, you know, and, and or this dialogue, too much dialogue sometimes. I don't need, you know, I don't need to hear, uh, you know, if somebody's walking into a house and greeting, you know, someone else. I don't need to hear, hi, how was your day? I can, I can infer that that has taken place. Just jump to the stuff that's really going to keep it moving. If you're writing a thriller, I mean, yeah. this thing the toolbox is for thriller writers. So whatever genre you're writing in, re when you read in that genre, try to identify the tools the writer has used. If there's something really good, say, why is that? Ask yourself, why is that so good? What was so good about that? Mm. Or if it's slow, why did it slow down? read with that critical eye, take online classes, you know, read, read uh, articles, anything written about, you know, these about tools that you can use. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh, Wendy, you have given us so much good.
came from was that I was on a silent retreat in England at the end of last year. And um, at the end, you know, we, we didn't speak for the whole week. And, and over the course of the week, without my conscious knowledge, I had fabricated stories and identities for every single woman that I was on the retreat with. I didn't fall in love. I'm still in love with my husband. <laughs> Spoiler alert, uh, and it's not a memoir. But when on the final day, when we broke our vow of silence and started speaking, I, I just, I was so shocked by people's accents and their careers and their stories. And I had created completely fabricated identities. So, and it was deeply beautiful, the space that we were in. And I thought this is the kind of area where I could imagine that you could fall in love where it's so heightened. And so I was really interested in the idea. So this one is written in the masculine and the feminine. It goes between the two. She's having a deeply spiritual time. He's hugely cynical about the experience. Um, they become lovers, but with the fabricated other. And, and then they meet 30 years later. So that's where I'm at with it. Oh my gosh. I love this idea too. And what an amazing experience. Like that is just deeply creative in itself to go and do something incredible like that I absolutely love that yeah it was and here's the gift and maybe this goes a bit back to big magic the weirdness of these things I did that as a gift to myself when I'd done the final edit for dangers of female provocation because you know I'd been so it was a silent retreat with a lot of yoga because I'd been bound to my computer and had been very in my head in my head and I thought I, I just want to so look, I, I did do some mummy stuff first, you know, I pressed my babies to me and my husband and said, <laughs> I remember you and I love you and thank you. Um, and then I, and then I went away to this retreat and um, it, it's just interesting because I was there thinking it'd be beautiful if the idea of the book came in and then I kept thinking, oh, no ideas come in, you know, in Savasana thinking, why has no idea come in? <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, oh, the irony. And then of course I was writing something else and then I went, oh, I've missed it. I was just looking so hard, trying to be a good girl and get the idea that I missed what was percolating up in me. Oh my God. I absolutely love that. I love that so much. I could, I could, um, yeah. It's so interesting when your mind tries to force something and when it just let it happen, I can tell you a million stories about that as well. I, I think it's absolutely great. And I just dive into all this creativity of all of it. It's amazing. But so I've got a, like a couple of questions for you, for our audience, because I just, love the stories of how these stories have come to you. What would you say is the biggest um, advice for, you know, cultivating and, and nurturing that creativity in, in someone that's writing at the moment? Well, I would say if you haven't watched The Gap by Ira Glass, do you know that? No, do I don't. It's like, a, it's like a three minute thing on YouTube. It's either called The the Gap or The Creative Gap, but Ira Glass, he's, yep. the, he's dude that does um that podcast this american life yeah and it is a three minute thing on um the gap between what we want to do in our heads and then what we create and then we crucify ourselves for the gap in the middle there and it's really helpful because it just says that that's what all artists do and you're an artist because you've got good taste and the good taste propels you forwards, but the crisis is that then you know everything you're doing is falling short. Mm. So I, that is really helpful. I would say don't go back and read what you've written too much. Just press forward. Yeah. I don't know who said it to me. There was a someone, I read it. They didn't say it to me, but it went directly into my heart that writing a novel is like driving a car at night. You can only see as far as the headlights. So the just the pressing forwards is the thing. and 
And if you have control freak tendencies like me, that's really difficult because you want to go back and clean things up. Yeah. But cross forwards. And then I would say it's not always an intellectual process. So for me, when I would get stuck, I would, like a kid, I would use textures and colored post-it notes. And I don't love the term brain dump. I just think it's mm. ugly because I think it's more a heart dump. But I would get on the floor and I would just that beautiful question you were asking before, you're like, what if? And it's like that question, what if, what if, what if, or what would happen now? It's like dropping a pebble into a pond. And then your job is just to yeah. follow those beautiful circles out and don't limit yourself. So with Odessa, for example, I would think, um, so when I say I got the story for whole, I, I, I got that through line. I knew that she, I knew that there were going to be a group of women each with a husband and that she was going to pick off each husband in turn. But then I had to work out how and why. And, and that was fascinating, that process and trying not to make any a cliche so that the writer would be surprised and trying not to display Odessa's hand too early. So I would, I would literally get on the floor with butcher's paper and write, she could do this, she could do this, she could do this. And, and then I, and then I would just sit with the ideas and I would usually pick the one that made me feel most afraid. Oh, I love that. I would go (laughs) for that because, you know, I really, I I really have a strong moral code and, you know, when I've behaved badly in the past, I've regretted it deeply and it's, uh, you know, still heavy weight that I've got to carry. So I hold myself to very high account. So it was really exciting to go, would she do that? Would she do that? She might, she might, let's, let's give it a whirl. Uh Um, But then there were other ideas that I needed to siphon through other people because um, I didn't, you know, the creativity, it's also looking through my own lens. I didn't want it to be offensive. So, for example, when she was hunting for things she could use against the men, one of the men I was thinking might have a specific kink like like cross-dressing. And then I was just, do you know what, Zoe, put that down that 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 whole beautiful rich landscape of the trans community um mm. on one end through to people that have kinks around cross dressing um it, it, that's it's it's too nuanced too too large not mine to yeah. to uh, delve into there so put that down um d- just stick in your own lane but let's go as far